Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. A psalm of praise. Each one of us here this evening has a great desire, I think, to improve our spiritual lives. I seriously doubt that any one of us gets up in the morning and says, what can I do today to make myself a worse Christian? Each of us is interested in becoming a better Christian. And so we use the various means that God has provided to make us better Christians. We read the Bible, we study it, and we memorize it, and we meditate on it. We pray, we try to stay in fellowship with God's people, we believe in witnessing and in giving and in sacrificing and serving. We don't look for the easy way to serve the Lord. We try to find something that costs a little bit. But I think that one of the greatest tools for spiritual growth that we ignore is praise. You've often seen the motto, prayer changes things, and prayer does change things. Prayer also changes people. Have you discovered the wonderful fact that praise changes things and that praise changes people? Now, by praise, we mean honoring God for who he is and what he does. That's praise. So often our conversations with deity amount to forgive me and give me. This is pretty well the summary of our prayer list. Oh, God, give me. Oh, God, forgive me. And many of us must confess to our shame that praise is not a big part of our lives. By nature, we complain. You never have to teach a child how to complain. A child complains naturally. But praise is quite something else. How many times did your parents have to say to you, now say thank you to auntie, now say thank you, and so we grudgingly say thank you. And some of the saints are this way. I wonder how my heavenly father feels when I take his gifts and his person for granted. Praise is a tremendous, tremendous tool for improving the Christian life. And the whole theme of Psalm 100 is praising God, not asking him for anything, not confessing anything to him, just praising him. And there are five verses in this psalm, and each of these verses gives to us some improvement that will come to our lives if we'll just praise the Lord. And so tonight we'll look at Psalm 100 and discover 
five spiritual improvements that you and I can experience if we'll just learn to praise the Lord. The first is in verse 1. When you learn how to praise the Lord, you come to know other people better. Notice what it says. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you Jews. No, that's what you'd expect. The Jews were a very exclusive people. You've heard me say on more than one occasion that one of the prayers the Pharisees used to pray every morning went like this. Oh God, I give thanks that I am a Jew and not a Gentile, a free man and not a slave. A man and not a woman. You would expect the Jew to say, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye tribe of Benjamin, all ye tribe of Judah. But it doesn't say that. When it comes to praise, the psalmist says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Praise has a way of breaking down barriers and bringing people together. Now, you've heard the statement that misery loves company, and maybe it does, although I've noticed that the people who are miserable in the wards of the hospital don't feel any better because the others are there. I have never tried to say to anyone in the hospital, you know, other folks are worse off than you are. That never makes me feel any better. To know that somebody else is in worse shape than I'm I'm in doesn't encourage me one bit. But you know what? Misery may love company, but mercy loves company. When you have experienced the goodness of God and the blessing of God, and you start praising the Lord, it breaks down barriers. Praise doesn't worry about the color of a person's skin. Praise is not concerned about the status of a person's economics. Praise is not interested in IQ or denomination. When a person begins to look at God, he can't look at people. When a person looks at God and he realizes others are praising God with him, it breaks down barriers. I was on an old super constellation one night, flying out of New York City, going to Copenhagen, Denmark. This was back before all of the modern jet planes that we have. And there were, I suppose, 230 or 40 of us on this big charter. And about a half an hour out of Gander, Newfoundland, over the cold, dark Atlantic Ocean, I looked out the window, and Don Ingram was sitting next to me. I understand he'll be the uh, commencement speaker at the Institute this year. Don was sitting next to me. We both were looking out the window, and the motor stopped. Now, it didn't stop because we looked at it. We looked at it, and it stopped. Well, of course, we had three other motors, and, and it was on our side of the plane, though. We were kind of concerned about that. So um, pretty soon the pilot came on, and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, we feel we're close enough to gander to go back. And uh, we're going to go back and get this fixed, and then we'll take off for Copenhagen. Now, I must confess to you that all of us were tired. We had been in New York City. The plane had been delayed. Getting oh, Some girl had lost her luggage. It was one of those typical evidences of Murphy's Law. You know Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, it will, and it did. And I must confess to you that even though we'd had prayer before we left LaGuardia, 
there was friction on board. People were tired, they hadn't eaten, and there was even among Christians, there was some friction on board. Well, when we heard that they were going to have to dump all that fuel, and you climb up and you dump all that fuel, and then when you get rid of it, you go down on land, a holy hush came over that plane, and uh, a lot of folks were praying. Well, we dumped the fuel. It's an amazing experience. And then we turned around and we landed, and when we landed at Gander and we came to a stop, all you could hear was, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and somebody took up the strain of praise God from whom all blessings flow, and all the friction was gone. That's even true among unsaved people. You get a bunch of unsaved people on a boat that's sinking, and when they're rescued, they hug each other and kiss each other. People don't even know. You know, they kiss each other. Why? They're, they're happy because they're rescued. Praise has a way of breaking down barriers. You remember Jesus was traveling along the borderline of Samaria one day and ten lepers came up and they hollered and said, Lord, have mercy upon us. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And so by faith they turned around to go to the priest and when they turned around they were healed. And nine of them just ran right off. One of them, a Samaritan, came back and fell at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, he was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. But praise had a way of breaking down the barrier. You know, my friend, the opposite of praise is selfishness. And selfishness and pride go together. And selfishness and pride build walls between people. I want to suggest to you if there are some walls in your family or some walls in your Sunday school class or on your floor in the dormitory, Try praising God, because one of the first improvements that will come to your life is you'll get to know other people better. There will be a closer fellowship with other people. Now, you better get used to that now, because when you get to heaven, you're going to be praising God. I was reading Revelation chapter 7 the other day, and it just uh, it really, it really blessed my heart. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, listen to this. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. There's that great multitude that came out of great tribulation standing before God. I tell you, we've enjoyed some great music here on earth. We have praised God and entered into praise to God. But when we get to glory, what a praise it's going to be. Let's start now. Praise improves us by helping us get to know each other better. There's a second improvement that comes from praising God. Verse 2, praise not only helps us know each other better, but praise helps us do our work better. I'm sorry that our hymn book doesn't print it the way Mr. Watts wrote it, because... um, not Mr. Watts, I'm sorry, the way the Psalter originally wrote it. 
Because it doesn't say him serve with fear. It says him serve with joy. In fact, originally it was him serve with mirth. Now at this point, some of you may want to leave. Him serve with mirth. Oh, you say God's people have no room for mirth. Oh, God doesn't have a sense of humor. Looked in the mirror lately? (laughs) Been to Lincoln Park Zoo lately? God has a sense of humor, and you'd better have a sense of humor. Originally it said, serve him with mirth. In fact, Charles Spurgeon complained about that when they made their own hymn book for Spurgeon's Tabernacle. He said, I want that to read, serve him with mirth. Because the scripture says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Some of you people have the idea there's a mistake there and it should read, serve him with sadness. I've watched people, I stand at the front door, you know, and watch people come into Sunday school, and outside they're smiling and they're talking, they get in the front door, whoop. Some sort of a pre-computerized kind of an emotion sets in, and they suddenly become pallbearers. Now, true, God does not want us to be flippant, careless. There is a humor which is not humor at all. Paul warns us against this kind of a thing. But there is a joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And verse 2 says, when you praise the Lord, it helps you do your work better. It turns burdens into blessings. Now, you found this to be true. How many of God's saints begin the day by singing, when morning gilds the skies, I can hardly open my eyes. You ever do that? How many of God's saints begin the day saying, oh boy, another day? Instead of saying, hallelujah, this is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I may not agree with it, but I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. We can always find something for which to praise the Lord. Now, if you start the day complaining, you'll complain all day long, and you'll have everybody else complaining. But if you start the day rejoicing, you'll be rejoicing all the day long, and it'll make your work a lot lighter. This is why the dentist has Muzak in his room. You're lying there, and he says, open wider, and you couldn't open wider if you had to. And he's got one shoulder and an arm down your throat, and he says, I think we had better pull these two teeth. But, you know, in the background, there's the music and everything, and it kind of relaxes you a little bit. Nothing wrong with this. In fact, they have discovered that when you put music in a barn, the cows give more milk. That's right. Even the cows have learned to serve the Lord with gladness. But we don't. You know, some saints are like the people that Paul wrote to back in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about giving. He said, now, I don't want you to give grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And he says this to me. He says, preacher, I don't want you to preach grudgingly because you have to 
or of necessity. I want you to do what you do cheerfully. I want to confess to you that there are times when God calls upon me to do things I don't enjoy doing. But I've discovered that when you praise him, it lifts the burden. It makes the workload just a little bit easier. And we're not like uh, the elder brother in Luke chapter 15 who was a, a grouch and a griper and a complainer. You watch out for the Christian who can't serve the Lord joyfully. He's not showing he's more spiritual than other people. He's showing he's less spiritual. Because the word of God commands us, serve the Lord with gladness. There's always reason to praise the Lord. So if you want your housework to go better, praise the Lord. You want your schoolwork to go better, praise the Lord. You want anything you're doing, and whatever we do, we should do to God, praise the Lord. Because praising the Lord helps us to do our work better. Now, verse 3. It begins with the word know, K-N-O-W. You've noticed in verses 1, 2, and 3, you have all of the inner man. In verse 1, you have the heart. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In verse 2, you have the will. Serve the Lord with gladness. In verse 3, you have the mind. Know. Know what? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What does verse 3 say to us? Verse 3 says, if you'll praise the Lord, you'll get to know yourself better. You'll get to know yourself better. Did you know that praise is a test of character? If you want to know what somebody is like, find out what he praises. You say, well, um, is that scriptural? I think it is. In my devotional reading the other day, I was in the book of Proverbs, and I read once again Proverbs chapter 27. And verse 21, here's what it says. As the refining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. You know what that means? It means two things. As the refining pot tests the silver, as the furnace tests the gold, so you test a man by his praise. That means, one, what does he praise? What he praises shows what he is like. What we praise shows what we value. Can you imagine coming, someone coming up to you and saying, you know, I saw the most marvelous murder today. Why, you would recoil and say, there never was a marvelous murder. What a person praises shows what he values and what he is like. But something else is true. How he responds to praise shows what he's like. Remember David and Saul? For years, the number one song on the hit parade had been, Saul has slain his thousands. Then a new one came along. David has slain his ten thousands. And Saul didn't like that. Saul tried to kill David. He couldn't take, take it to see somebody else praised. That's what Proverbs 27, 21 is talking about. Now, Psalm 100, verse 3 says, I get to know myself by praising the Lord. You see, I'm made in his image. So are you. And being made in his image, when we come to praise him, we see him. Then we see ourselves as we ought to be. He tells us here what we learn about ourselves as we praise the Lord. First of all, we learn that we're not God. 
Now, that may be bad news for some of you, but I want you to know it. You're not God. I'm not God. No Christian can ever say, I'm a self-made man. I heard about a young man who was trying to impress his girlfriend, and he said, you know, dear, I'm a self-made man. And she said, it's nice of you to take the blame. No Christian can say I'm a self-made man. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Now, this is a tremendous thing. As I worship and praise the Lord, I get to know myself better. Isaiah came and praised the Lord and was worshiping God. And he finally ends up by saying, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Abraham stood talking to God, and he said, I'm but dust and ashes. When John saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he fell at his feet as though dead. Verse 3 tells me that uh, I'm going to get to know myself better as I praise the Lord. I'll discover, first of all, that I'm not God. Most of the trouble that goes on in the lives of Christians is because of this. Satan comes and says, oh, you shall be as God. You can run your own life. You can do what you please. You can get away with that. You shall be as God. And the psalmist says, you know, if you were praising the Lord the way you ought to, you'd know better than that. If at this point when Satan came and tempted Eve, she'd started singing the doxology, he never would have gotten her. She would have realized that he is God. We also learn that um, it's God who's making us. That blesses me. You know, God is making you. You remember the pastor who uh, visited the dear lady who was all crippled with arthritis and she was in so much pain. And she said what I would have said. I suppose she said, Pastor, why did God make me like this? And wisely he said, my dear, God has not made you. He is making you. He's not through with us yet. Oh, the tremendous potential right here. Somebody here tonight is saying, I'm not worth very much. Here are four million people in the city of Chicago, and I'm just a little pygmy. I'm not worth very much. I'm not as cute as the other girls or as handsome as the other boys, and I don't have any ability, and and I don't make a lot of money. I'm just not too important. And the psalmist says, wait a minute. When you start feeling like that, the devil's going to play right into your hands. I'm just an insignificant nobody. There are some saints like this who say, I'm just an insignificant nobody. God can't do anything. And the devil says, hey, there's somebody I can use. My friend, if you just come and praise God and just worship God and thank God, he'd look at you and say, hey, I'm making you. Just keep going the way you are. I'm building your life. I'm making out of you something so wonderful. As you praise the Lord, you discover that you're not God and that God's making you and that God saved you. We're his people and that God's guiding us. We're the sheep of his pasture. It's not much of a thing to brag about to admit that you're a sheep. Sheep's one of the dumbest animals God ever made. That's right. Sheep are stupid. And uh, the psalmist is saying as you worship God, you realize you're worth something. He made you, and he's making you. You're made in his image, but you better realize something else. He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. He's the creator. You're the creature. He is the father. You're his people. You get to know yourself better. You know why? You get your eyes off yourself. Now, if I can, if I can meddle just a little bit, and I think you'll accept it because you know I love you, 
one of the biggest sins among evangelical Christians is constantly performing spiritual autopsies. Some of you people are bleeding to death. That's right. Get your eyes off yourself for a while. The best way to know yourself is to know him. And so as you praise the Lord, it opens up the way for you to get to know others better. As you praise the Lord, it helps you to work better. As you praise the Lord, you get to know yourself better. Verse 4. Here's a fourth improvement that I want to come to my life. When you praise the Lord, you start to enjoy your worship better. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, friends, if you and I were really praising God all week long, I mean praising him from our hearts, we would have such worship services here that would blow the roof right off. I fear sometimes we come to church mad at God, estranged from God, Unsaved people come into the service and look around and say, well, why aren't they excited? They say the Lord is so wonderful and it's such a great thing to go to heaven. You'd never know it looking at this crowd or that staff sitting up there on the platform. Look like cheerleaders for an accident, you know. <laughs> when day after day after day we are praising the Lord, when we gather together as God's people, there is a new sense of excitement and enjoyment. We enjoy our worship better. Now I'm really going to get into trouble. It's too bad I'm not leaving town tomorrow, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. It's a sad thing that so many Christians have to be entertained. Now, what the choir presented and the brass and the instrumentalist tonight was not religious entertainment. That was spiritual enrichment. I don't know the words that they're singing, but my heart just sings with the choir. I sing and make melody in my heart to the Lord. I won't do it on my lips because I can't do it. And as the brass is playing and as the organ is playing, don't you find sometimes your soul just soaring? Now some of you say, well, it's too loud. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, God is not deaf. I know that. God does not need a hearing aid. But there is something marvelous about a congregation joining their voices to sing praise to God. And yet sometimes worship in our hearts, no matter what the choir may do or the music director or anyone else, it's dead. You know whose fault that is? It's ours. If I come to God's house with a cold heart, I've not been praising God all week long. If I come with, I'm mad at God or I'm mad at one of God's children or I'm mad at some circumstance, I can't really praise him. But oh, when you praise the Lord, then you come together with his people. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. My friend, the next time you come to God's house, before you walk through the door, give thanks to God. I may keep some of you outside for 10 or 15 minutes, but you, you give thanks to God. If you walk into a service, be it Monday morning chapel at the Institute or Wednesday night service at Moody Church, if you walk into a service having given thanks and praise to God, you'll get much more out of that service. 
which leads to the fifth verse. And this is the ultimate in the whole thing. We get to know other people better. That's verse 1. We get to serve the Lord better. Our work goes better. Verse 3, we get to know ourselves better. And verse 4, we enjoy our worship better. And verse 5, and here's the ultimate, we get to know the Lord better. For the Lord is good. How do you find that out? He praised him. Now I'm going to drop a little secret into your heart. I wish somebody would have told me this a long time ago. We get too old too soon and too smart too late. If you want to whip the devil, praise the Lord. One of the best weapons to fight temptation is praise. Oh, you say, I don't believe that, then I'll prove it to you. James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, he's talking about overcoming temptation. Now look at it. James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. Don't blame God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now notice the next verse. The next verse doesn't talk about sin. It talks about God's goodness. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James is saying, look, if you're tempted to sin, look up and remember how good God is. I'm going to illustrate that from a familiar story. 2 Samuel chapter 12. You say, well, that's the story about David. That's right. Nathan came to David, and David repented. But I want you to notice what Nathan said to David. Now get this. 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Why hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord in the light of all the goodness of God? You see, if when David was standing out there on his balcony, he had lifted up his heart and said, the Lord is good. He could have defeated that lust. You see, when you praise God, you get to know God better. When you realize how good God is, it gives you victory over sin. It gives you victory over temptation. Temptation is the devil's substitute for the Lord's goodness. And the devil says, hey, how about this? Some cheap trinket. You say, I don't need that. The Lord is good. I got something better. You get to know God better. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. That involves his forgiveness. And his truth endureth to all generations. His truth, his word. Do you want to be a better Bible student? Yes, I do. Start praising the Lord. You'll never really understand the Psalms till you praise the Lord. You're not going to understand many of the things Paul writes 
until you learn how to praise the Lord. What he says in verse 5 is when you praise the Lord, you'll get to know God better. His goodness, then you won't be tempted by substitutes. His mercy, his truth. And the pages of the word of God will start to be very real to you. This is why we have to grow into the scriptures. People come to me and say, Pastor, I've been reading that chapter for, I don't understand. You'll grow into it. Just keep growing and keep praising the Lord. I think it'd be good for us to learn how to praise the Lord, to start the day praising the Lord when things go wrong. I preach to myself. I am prone when things go wrong to complain. I wouldn't tell you that except you're the same way. But oh, how wonderful it is to learn how to praise the Lord. One of my favorite preachers was Dr. William Sangster. He was the pastor of the Methodist Central Hall in uh, London. I think the chorale sang there when they were over there uh, a few years ago. Oh, what a preacher and what a great man. What a big man. He was big in every way. He uh, visited a little girl in London one day who was crippled in such a way they had to strap her into a box. And they had the box by the window so she could watch what was going on. And um, Sangster said it looked like she was in a coffin. But the interesting thing was she was such a radiant girl. And Sangster stopped to see her and he said, What do you do? Oh, she said at night when I wake up, I look at the stars. And uh, I have a star for everything to thank the Lord. One star is mother, and I thank the Lord for mother. And one star is brother, and I thank the Lord for brother. And one star is for food, and I thank the Lord for food. And she said, you know, Pastor Sangster, there's only one problem. I've run out of stars. Now, she had the right idea, didn't she? Look up. If it's dark, look for the stars. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. It takes faith to praise the Lord. That faith then grows into love. And faith and love grow into hope. And oh, how our spiritual lives improve. Simply because we praise the Lord. How easy it is for us to walk around looking at ourselves and looking at our circumstances. It's no wonder 21 times Paul in his letters praises the Lord. It's no wonder six times he says to us, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Let's uh, determine by God's grace this coming week not to be complainers. That may cut out half of our conversation. That's all right. Let's determine by God's grace to praise the Lord. I need it. I think maybe you need it. It's one of the best ways to improve your spiritual life. Father, by nature, we don't like to praise. We like to receive praise. We like to criticize those who are praised, but we don't like to praise. Father, forgive us. Forgive us that we've been willing to enjoy the gift but not thank the giver. We're sorry. I pray, Lord, that we might grow in our praise, that every day we might see new reasons to praise God.
And because of our praise, help us to grow and help others to be blessed. Lord, deliver us from evangelical pouting. Take from us, O God, these attitudes that make us do our work grudgingly and of necessity. We want, to, we want, O God, to experience joy and blessing, that we might bring joy and blessing to others. So meet our need now through Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen.